Good evening, friends. So part of Dharma practice is identifying fixed beliefs. And actually, the teachings dwell on that quite a lot, almost to the extent that they're saying that's the essential thing is, is um, to identify them, to identify them and let go of them. as if it's a process of uh, negation, seeing the ways of seeing that reveal themselves to be uh, faulty. It came to mind doing some work with a Mahamudra teacher named Dan Brown. And after the mind was clarified in his sequence of practice, so you had some quality of crispness to your mind and you would then search for fixed beliefs that were present in the moment and operating in your meditation at that time and some of the ones he was interested in were things like I'm not there or practice has to be hard um, one of the ones he said is in Asian cultures a fixed belief that's hard to shake for practitioners is that this takes lifetimes. So therefore, I'm not going to be there. I can't possibly be there. Or this can't be it. I can't be on the horizon of, of true insight because it takes lifetimes. I think he said that for Western practitioners, it was related to effort. The primary fixed belief was that what I need to do is try harder. And I have been just catch, catches my attention when in myself, and it does uh, arise for me, I do get caught in this. And in others, I hear the belief that things are meant to be. Now, if you have that belief and I'm presenting a contrary view, cool. Let's just like be mature people and disagree and have a, have a dialogue. It's amazing how um, we can't agree to disagree culturally anymore. Nobody seems to be able to tolerate uh, an opposing view. Uh, in some ways, this can cut deep because some people's religious orientation is around meant to be, which I'm going to unpack more. And I hope to talk a little bit about why it might be problematic. So anything can arise. And it's probably limited by physics, but maybe not even that. That may too be a limitation on space. That space is pure potential. We talk about the most basic ingredient of existence, for a lack of a better word. We're talking about space within which things can happen. And in, in practice and also just in our contemplation, we can zoom in and we see that things are wide open. 
There's no fixed form or finalities anywhere in any domain, no matter where you look. We find um, energy moving through space, whether that's the sensations of your hand experientially, or whether we pull out a big old microscope or telescope. So there's a sense that things are wide open, not um, only because of empty space, because also whatever we think is actually there is not solidly rooted. It's just not how being seems to work. Only something in motion registers as a perception. If something isn't moving or changing or arising, then sensory apparatus can't track it. So this is all to say you could declare bankruptcy tomorrow, go woofing on a farm in Vermont and spend all your free time candle making. You could potentially do anything within the laws that you currently operate on. And maybe you could even go somewhere and learn to no longer have to operate under them. Some people are into that. But we tend to think of our lives in a, in a very parametered way. But from the perspective of space and agency, you could do anything within limitations. So consider even as a potential that you could make any kinds of changes. You could weave different colors into your life. You could have quite a different configuration. And what does that say about things being meant to be? So the universe is a wide open space and anything is possible. But no, wait, no, it's not because you have high rent to pay. You can't just go to Costa Rica. You have the limitations of the human ritual. You have birth, old age, sickness, and death. The body is decaying. It's falling apart at one rate or another. Things are really limited on that level. So what does that say about things being meant to be? Something similar to, it kind of approximates the thinking that, oh, this thing that happened was meant to be, is related to karmic potentialities. And I was thinking of an image, and it's like a compressed spring. So a situation seems to be faded because when something happens, it feels really intimate. A project come together and we feel like, oh, it was meant to be. Because there is a relationship, there's a cause and effect relationship established, um, the timing and the details. But rather than it was meant to be, 
what does that mean? Something was meant to be. Maybe what's going on is that we've had our heart and our mind and our actions set on working towards a particular direction. And then there's a fruition of those intentions and actions. And that's what I mean by the compressed spring. We've been compressing it. And then at some point, it, there's all this energy in that that's bound up in that. You let go and it, it pops. So I'm interested in exploring meant to be because of what it excuses us from and from how it can keep us from stepping into a fuller responsibility for maybe the way things work. Why would it, why would it even matter? So consider um, a relationship. Meant to be, when we say something, oh, it was meant to be that um, we broke up. It's sometimes as a way of not reflecting on why something came together or fell apart. It excuses us from really looking at, for lack of a better term, karma. So a relationship fails and we may say it was meant to be. Or we might say that it wasn't meant to be. We weren't meant to be together. But what, do, what does that mean? What are we saying then? Are we saying that its coherence was overwhelmed by other forces? Career stress, erotic desires, more interesting people. Maybe we're saying that God decided Brad or Allison was actually a dick and not good enough for you. So it wasn't meant to be. Think about what we're doing when we take up that view. It wasn't meant to be. The relationship not surviving could be one or both of the people or group of people didn't do the work to mend or understand or work out the conflicts. Was it meant to be that we let the conflicts lie unaddressed? Last time I went through um, a breakup, Hogan Roshi said, really think about why your relationship didn't last. Like, take this time to, to, to think about choices that you made and, and patterns in the relationship so you can learn from something. Because it wasn't like um, I went through the wrong door or we went through the wrong door together and therefore we ended up on the wrong side of the tracks. That's another angle on it's not meant to be. When we say something is not meant to be or meant to be, be it can belie a belief that there is in all caps the right door. So if something is meant to be, that means we went through the correct door, or if it was not meant to be, it means that we went through the door, but it was actually not the right door. So there's this sense that life has um, right and wrong choices. 
that's a different view than a, a karmic view that actions have consequences. And we can think in terms of what's skillful or not skillful, but there's no inherent right or wrong direction. You see how, how much freer and in a way scarier it is to not have a view that things are meant or not meant to be? Perhaps not meant to be belies a belief in the right door or the wrong door. Perhaps not meant to be belies a belief that what is difficult to do and stay with must be the wrong course. So sometimes we're going about a direction in life. And sometimes this is true for people in their um, spiritual practice as well. It gets really hard and it doesn't feel good. It's difficult. And they feel like I must not meant to be here. This, I'm not meant to do this practice. And in a way, it's kind of like a Marin County version of Taoism. Like I'm in a flow with life as long as it feels good. And if there's friction, that means I'm doing the wrong thing because Lao Tzu said, just go with the flow, like a river avoiding resistance. That's a dangerous kind of, of way of, of thinking about life in a sense. The invert, the, the reverse is that things are meant to be if they go easily for us. And that's somehow um, related to privilege and people feel like they are um, special because things just unfold for them. Well, it must meant to be that I'm the CEO, not because I'm a white man who came from generations of money. No, it was meant to be. So sometimes things, when we think in meant to be or not meant to be, we're thinking uh, about specialness or we're uniquely attended to by the sacred forces of life. I think meant to be gets really um, suspicious and it can even be offensive if we, if we really look at the inconsistencies and in how we apply it. The contradiction. For example, we might um, feel like it was meant to be that we met the love of our life, but we would never say that about our friend who got cancer. Things can't be meant to be sometimes and not meant to be other times. Or can they? So the consequence of is or isn't meant to be, what I'm getting at here is it exaggerates or it diminishes personal or societal responsibility and agency. There's this wide open space. There are energies in motion in different directions, but that doesn't mean that God or the Buddha wants them to be going in that direction. They're just going in that direction. A Buddhist understanding is not that you create your reality. 
which is a new age thing, but it's not that you don't. There was a Dzogchen teacher, Longchenpa, he said, all appearances are not mind, nor are they other than mind. That's a really, I think, wonderful pith instruction to practice with. You can't reduce them to mind, but they can't be other than that. So if things aren't meant to be, you could say that we um, are sculpting the mystery of life. We're, we're um, contributing to and creating different karmic waves, creating karmic prop- probabilities, and we do it with open-handedness. We can have trust in the place it's coming from and the direction that we're trying to go. But it's wide open. There's something to be said for riding karmic waves. For example, was it meant to be that so-and-so got rich in a startup? Well, maybe, no, maybe they just surfed a wave. There's already something in motion and we join with that thing. And that's just how it functions. There are certain currents in life, in society, in culture, in families, etc. So if we're painting energies in space with no capital R, capital D, right door to go through, then what? Then what? We could, in a sense, it's changing the question from why am I here to why do I want to be here? Or what are we here for to what do we want to be here for? Taking further responsibility. So I think it's useful to catch this thinking in action. And I could be wrong. There could totally um, be a meant to be about the universe that's just beyond my little brain. Maybe it is all utterly meant to be. But catch the thinking in action and when you apply it, what, what's going on. That's what's been fruitful for me. When I take that stance, what is that keeping me from doing? Well, I guess it was meant to be. So uh, related to this, next week I'm going to be doing a workshop. I'm calling uh, Tuning to Your True North next Saturday. And this will be an, an element of it, a, a sense of I'm not going to click into the grand plan that's woven into the universe for me and suddenly be utterly happy. It's much more, the onus is much more 
on me to be creative about what I do with the ingredients I have. And so we'll look at these kind of questions and try to take responsibility and really envision, for example, is how I'm living bringing me juice? Is it lively? What else might? Or where do I want to be in service? Are there dreams that are nascent or delayed? It's not meant to be that they're nascent or delayed. What then? This is the kind of things we'll, we'll, we'll work with. So wide open, wide open space of the universe, some degree of actual limitations. But what are the actual limitations? Maybe fairly solid, maybe not. 